0: i <music>
1: All right, the presenting sponsor for today's episode to hear that podcast ground is Visa, a network working for everyone. Jay Morrison, Pauliner Jr. here working for you on HTPG. What's up, Jay?
2: Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be home. I, I was a little worried we weren't going to make it home in time for this show thanks to Southwest Airlines, but, but we are here. Yeah, I thought, you know, maybe we'll just live
1: in Baltimore. You know, maybe we'll just just stay there. And just just hang out, go to go eat some more crab for another three four days until we decide that we're we're allowed to go home.
2: I got to see my first instance of the new reality of of a guy getting escorted off the plane by the pilot that we were delayed by two and a half hours. This guy and his girl decided what better time on a Monday afternoon in a Baltimore airport to go get crocked, and uh, he was he was lit up um, and slurring and a little belligerent and. I was the next person to board, so I was a little worried how I was going to be received getting on the phone on the plane. I was hoping everyone saw what happened and knew that I was not the perp that was holding everything up. But, yeah, I'd never – I've seen the videos of people acting poorly in airports, but I'd never seen it in person.
1: I did not see – I was behind you, and I did not see any of this.
2: (laughs) It, he, he, they they stayed in the jetway for a long time, and he was screaming at his girl while the pilot and the gate attendant were calling security and talking about what to do. And then by the time security came up, he was on his best behavior, and they kind of took him off to the side and started boarding again. And then right before we took off, the girl came back on the plane, but the guy did not.
1: Wow. It, don't, don't get drunk at 2 o'clock on a Monday in an airport.
2: No, like, <laughs> well, you can just don't plan on getting on a flight.
1: <laughs> don't get on a flight, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, we've got we've got a lot to get to. Um, we're gonna have Eger on to talk about his tweets. Disappointed in Mo this week. Yeah, he's not lacking. as active. Not as active, but we find plenty to talk about. A lot, a lot to cover with Mo uh, after Sunday's big win. But we kind of want to spend a lot of today. Talking about the new reality of the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals, you know, I mean, Sunday alters your expectations and the timeline so much that I think we need to kind of sit back and start over and sort of reassess where we're at. Look at what that means. Look at what history says. Look at what we know about where they are now. Look at how the league is changing around them. And and let's, let's assess the new reality for this team. It's a fun exercise uh, for fans, and one that I don't think we expected to be doing at this point. But I think it's really important to to reset expectations and reset where they're at right now. So we're going to spend a lot of time doing that. And of course, we'll uh, we have some some run passer boots. We're going to have a growler bet recap, which uh, is an interesting one. And I mean, another very very close a skin of our teeth on the growler bet situation. So uh, we've got a lot, and I've got some shout outs from our Baltimore road trip, uh, but we will get to all of that in a little bit. As far as news goes, very little news, which is good news uh, this time of year, because usually the news is just bad when you're talking about news on a Tuesday. Um, Chris Evans had a little bit of a hamstring tightness tweak thing, which is why you didn't see him play at all on Sunday, which is actually maybe more of a relief that they weren't just deciding that, he wasn't good enough, and they're just going to focus on Samaj P. Ryan as the backup, but I think they just kept him on special teams because they were a little worried about stretching out that hamstring too much. So uh, he's kind of dealing with that right now. We'll see how long he's limited or last. But I mean, the fact they played him on special teams should tell you not a long-term thing on that. That's the news. Yep. Like that, the the news is all good. The news is the Bengals are on every talk show. Everyone in the national media learning who the coach and players on the Bengals are this this week, which is nice. Uh, you know, before they knew Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and had no clue who a single other player or or coach was on the entire team. Apparently, I mean it's it's been quite hilarious to watch when your arrival comes. The national media has to like look at their pronunciation guides and their headshot. No, they do
2: not. They do not look at the pronunciation guy.
1: <laughs> they do not at all. Oh man, it's 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 fun. We we kid, but it's it's part of it. You know, when you're a an overlooked small market who's had five straight losing seasons, it sort of comes with it. Where they're, you're just not going to pay attention to you until you force them to. Sunday, the Bengals forced the league to pay attention to them. So let's um. I mentioned health. I, I want to touch on this quickly because it's a part of what we're going to talk about, about their new reality. A lot of what I've, you know, if there's some doubting, and I, I listened to tried to listen to a good amount of the national reaction because I knew that was going to be a part of what people were thinking about and listened to because uh, after this. The, the the part of the doubting that remains, if there is, and most people are are kind of, you know, they're seeing it, is, well – You know, let's still assess what they who they beat, right? That Pittsburgh didn't have TJ Watt, and you know, Minnesota was playing poorly earlier, and Jacksonville's a mess. And yeah, they took Green Bay to the end, but they didn't have Jair Alexander, and they were all beat up, and Detroit stinks, and Baltimore was missing all these, is so injured. And okay, that's true, but you know what good teams do. They take advantage of the other team's weak spots. They take advantage of where other teams are lacking. And this Bengals team is so well-rounded right now. Uh, If you look at the DVOAs, their offense is on the rise, and and, and I've got some numbers on, on why actually you should consider them a top 10 group. But you basically have special teams, defense, and offense all top 10 groups in the league. that's 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 why you wear out teams Uh, teams that have weaknesses whether due to injury or poor play or whatever it is I mean every team in this league has this that's how you win games is is you you exploit their weaknesses and and if you don't have as many that's how you win and so I think that like that just I I I don't really think that applies so much but health is a big deal for them right now is that they do they have been remarkably healthy and you got to knock on wood for it but We've seen them be the opposite for a number of years and kind of wondered when that year would come. Well, at this point right now, you know, it's here. And and, and it is part of why they're winning, but that's okay. That's part of why a lot of teams win.
2: And I think Zach Taylor gets some credit for that. I mean, he can't help what happens in games, but he can can put them in a better position to get through these games. We've seen them go lighter on Wednesdays. We've seen them have walkthroughs on Wednesdays when normally that's a – a, a standard practice. He's, you know, got criticized early for the the victory Wednesday. Um, I think it was after the Minnesota win. And he's like, hey, it's a long season. We need to keep these guys fresh. It's it's more about the mental than the physical at this point. And you're seeing that start to pay off. And, you know, it's I mean, when was the last time not just that they were this healthy at this time of year, that they played a division game? And nobody went out. You know, throughout these games, they make these press box announces, where announcements were, you know, so and so has a ankle, knee, whatever, questionable return, doubtful return, out for the game. There's none of that in that Baltimore game. They 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 just I, I don't I mean the Baltimore lost their right tackle, but both sides, it was for as physical as that game was, it was relatively low injury-wise. And I think a lot of that is is going back to the way that that Zach and the training staff, the strength staff, the way they have managed these guys' bodies to to keep them ready. And, yes, anything can flip. It can change the regression to the mean, whatever you want to call it. But right now, heading into week eight to be as healthy as they are is pretty remarkable. Spent
1: some time in our Friday session with Zach talking to him about that concept and it's sort of saying, for you, how much of the pie of health is luck? how much has it been that you guys something that you guys have tried to really plot and you know readily admitted yeah obviously there is a massive luck element to that but you know they have really focused in in keeping close eyes you know talking with trainers regularly about you know, through the, through the data dumps that they get on practices, how hard guys are going, what, when, who you need to scale back, who you need to ramp up, who you need to, you know, to avoid the soft tissue stuff. And they're always talking about avoiding soft tissue injuries and things. And we've, and we've seen them have a, a lot of success with that. Trey Wayne's being the only real notable, you know, example of that. And, you know, that is part of it. And, and, and understanding that was something that was a big deal at the Rams, and a big deal here was and, and is the movement of the NFL is it's about freshness. It's not about beating people up and t- making tough players through practice. It's about having fresh players on Sunday. And, and, and that is a real you talk about a movement in the league. How about a movement in Cincinnati. You don't get two more differing views on that really than what Marvin Lewis employed and and what Zach Taylor employed. And I think people thought then that would be part of the solution of the team being better at the end of the year. And also maybe part of the issue why the teams weren't so good at the end of the year, uh, under Marvin. And that's, that's not, and that's speculative. But it's also a little bit based in, in in philosophy, particularly the philosophy where everything's going. So, so far, so good on the health. I hate to even talk about it or bring it up, but it is a notable thing at this point of, of when you look at their starting 22 and rotational pieces of how many of them have been the same every week. And that just doesn't happen very often. And they're not going to face many teams where that's happening very often, including on Sunday, who's, who will be without Zach Wilson for the Jets uh, 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 again. And, and you may see a backup quarterback the next week. You may see backup quarterbacks each of the next two weeks. If case Keenum has to go again for Baker, depending on what happens with him in Cleveland,
2: it's an advantage. It's a huge advantage, And that's, that's the other piece of this. The, the injury part is it, it, it helps to avoid them. It also helps to have a good roster and this. They, they, the Bengals have that. I mean, they, they didn't have T Higgins for two games and they had guys that could plug in. Joe Mixon missed a game. You know, Trey Waynes is out, but Eli Apple was stepping up and playing well. when, when, when you have a deeper more quality roster you can overcome some of these injuries that are more short term not Trey Waynes is probably more long term but nobody is gonna avoid injuries altogether for an entire season but if you've got quality backups you you can you can get by a little bit at a time and, and overcome some of these and that's that's what has happened early but you're right it's it, it's almost I don't believe in jinxes. I put them up there with Saint and Bigfoot. They just, they don't exist. And people like to talk about jinxes all the time, but you do, you, you almost hate to talk about injury and health because you, it just feels like nobody gets through a season totally unscathed and, and there's, there's probably something around the corner for this team. And you just hope that they have the the roster depth to overcome it depending on who it is.
1: Man, Jay. Spoiler alert for all the little kids that listen to hear that podcast growling. Jay Morrison um, told me there was
2: no. Sa- ooh, ooh,
1: ooh.
2: <laughs> can we can we get a can we get a rating on this episode? It <laughs> was not recommended for twelve <laughs> <Man>. and under. <laughs> I used to love hear that podcast growling until they told me there was no. Because s- I, I, I do think maybe some people listen to this in their car while their kids are in the car, so I don't yeah. know. Maybe Jeez.
0: <laughs>
1: Man, tough room, tough room. Uh, so ear muffet for the
0: kids there. Uh, sorry about that.
1: All right, let's take a second and switch gears here
0: and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: All right, let's let's talk about the new reality. I talked about this really a, a, a week last week. We started looking at the Dare to Dream concept, and I wrote about it on Friday. Um, of uh, uh, you can feel okay, you know, you can be vulnerable. I was made made jokes about. I watch The Bachelor too much, and it's always, you know, it's okay to feel vulnerable. This team has proven that you you can really embrace them and believe in them. It turned out that way, um, but I I didn't. Even if they wouldn't have won, I do think think you can still feel pretty real about that. And it, now, when you're five and two, you know, you teams make the playoffs. 79% of the time if, if you if you go back and now you expanded playoffs now those those numbers are probably even better than that each of the last three super bowl champions started 5 and 2 here's another here's another element of that i mean now you've won two games by 20 plus points back to back streak um it, if if they do it again on Sunday against the Jets, who just lost fifty four to thirteen, it was the final. <laughs> yes. Um. And and are, and are trotting out somebody named Mike White, um, at quarterback. It, if if you go do that against the Jets, and make it three straight games of twenty plus, last ten years, a streak of three straight wins by twenty or more. In, in one season, has happened one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 times. Okay. The 2014 Patriots and the 2017 Eagles actually had streaks of four in a row. That's the most. And each of those two teams, how'd their seasons end, Jay? Uh, Super Bowl? They won the Super Bowl. Uh, now, that's four in a row. If they did that to Cleveland, yeah, we would be we would be starting talking a little bit more seriously about Super Bowl <laughs> expectations. Here's the rest of the list of three in a row, and it's a really interesting group that you've put yourself into. This is not saying had to be good teams, couldn't be bad teams. By the way, all three of these would be on the road. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's no other filters other than one three straight games by 20-plus if they were to do that. 2020 Bills. Who were 13 and 3 and went to the AFC title game. 2011 Saints, who were 13 and 3 and lost in the divisional round. 2019 Patriots, who went 12 and 4 and they lost in the wild card round. 2017 Rams, sound familiar? Uh, the model of which this franchise was trying to rebuild, went 11 and 5. It was the year before they went to the Super Bowl. They lost in the wild card round. That year to the Falcons, I believe. And twenty nineteen Ravens, who went fourteen and two, lost in the divisional round. Two thousand eleven Chargers, sad story, eight and eight, North Turner,
3: pff, <laughs>
1: no playoffs. Twenty thirteen Patriots or excuse me, twenty thirteen Seahawks went thirteen and three and won the Super Bowl. Twenty twelve Seahawks went eleven and five and lost in the divisional round. All those are the teams. That's your company. That's that's who you are. They, this stuff doesn't happen in, this, in the NFL. Like, in the NFL, teams don't just whip everybody multiple weeks in a row. If you have that ability to do that to anyone, you are a real team. You're winning double-digit games. You're going to be in the playoffs, and you'll probably be amongst the last teams remaining. That's kind wonder, of the
2: moral of the story. I wonder if you like bump that up and more because it's it's twenty-three right now, right? It was twenty-three against I just tried Detroit, to be generic 24. with the twenty yeah. plus. But I bet I bet I bet some of those teams had a twenty or a twenty one point win, so that the list would be even smaller. Now they still have to they still have to be the Jets by that much. But you're right, that's those it a league built on parity. You don't see that very often. I mean, look at look at some of the most dominant offenses in league history that that aren't or the in that period that are not on that list. Um, you didn't mention the Chiefs. Zero. They Chiefs. never. <laughs> they didn't beat anybody by twenty three weeks in a row. That and that that's a quality offense. It's a hard thing to do. Um, and yeah, two of the three would be against really bad teams. But as you said, it's on the road, and and the the one if it happens at New York would be the third of three straight road games which that's that's taxing on a team. The, the, you don't see teams make three road straight road trips all the time. So uh, getting a little ahead, it hasn't happened yet, but if it does, I mean, it just like the win at Baltimore, a, every week that they do something like this, it just kind of increases expectations and honestly likelihood. I mean, would you say it was 78% for 5 and 2? Yeah. And, and i think it's around 83 for 6 and 2 i mean <laughs> at this point you're not rubber stamp them into the playoffs but it it's it would almost be more surprising if they don't make it whereas who early you know th- a month ago it would have been shocking if they did make it
1: i would agree the only way they don't and i i will say this and i you know what old takes exposed me uh you know Clip this. If Joe Burrow plays every game this year, they'll be in the playoffs. Yep. Period. He's too good. They're too good with him. Even if they were to lose a bunch of other guys on that offense, I think he can overcome it. They're in such a driver's seat right now. They have six of their last nine games are at home. I mean, here's the other part. You, if you listen to this podcast and have for a while, you know my feelings on adjusted net yards per attempt. It is the one of the winningest stats in football. It Teams that have quarterbacks that are at the top in that stat are the best teams in football. Year in, year out, win the playoffs, win Super Bowls. Period. I've gone over it. I've written it a million times. I have evidence upon evidence upon evidence. It is today's game. It's the winningest stat in today's game, in my opinion. The Bengals have the best quarterback in the AFC in adjusted net yards per attempt. He's sixth overall. Because the NFC's got some dudes doing (laughs) it this year. Uh, But he's the best in the AFC. Just uh, a little bit ahead of, of Josh Allen. Um not surprisingly, uh and Derek Carr, not surprisingly, teams that are right next to them. You get great quarterback play, you get efficient quarterback play. you win games. It's not it's it's the realest that there is and and that's why when we talked about the Joe burrow year two bump, that's the stat that I, you start with. That's where you judge the rise all boats. That's when you judge the quarterback that brings everyone up around them. And, and this is a jump, that the jump that he is making. And it's, it's more and more pronounced with every week. They will have the best quarterback in every game they play the rest of the year if you look at this current production level. And that includes Kansas City. And another conversation, if you want to listen to Times R's with Nate Taylor, you can go over and hear where they're at with Patrick Mahomes right now. And it's not necessarily Patrick Mahomes' fault, but the Chiefs are a total mess. Total mess, not just on defense. So that's everybody, you know, offensively people say, okay, well, their defense has been great offensively. They're still was like, now we can take a better look at this with, with, if you look at the two weeks as these house Burrows knee mobility in the pocket thing that we talked through uh, and it was an issue that he was figuring out. So basically pre does the Joe Mixon celebration taking off running in Pittsburgh and says it was the game changer for him. you look at just since week three Bengals seventh in the league in points per drive first in yards per play seventh in offensive expected points added second in plays of 20 plus yards first in net yards per attempt top 10 offense top 10 offense with Burrow comfortable that's I mean we're that's a five week that's a five game span I, th- I think I think you can say, you know, they'll have the better quarterback in all these games because this is the way he's playing. There's no reason to believe he'll stop.
2: No, and I mean he he clearly is the one that's driving this. But it's it's kind of it's important to note too that some some people that listen may not be familiar with adjusted net yards per attempt, but that it's not just yards per attempt. It, it, it incorporates touchdowns, interceptions, and the big one, sacks, and this offensive line. Is is getting? They've been better than expected already, and they're getting better every single week. And it that I think that's as big a part of this as of that number, um, because you look at the everything that Joe Burrow's done. So that's been good. The one thing that he's slipped in are the interceptions. He's had some kind of like brain freeze moments. The the interception he just threw up for grabs in the end zone. Against Baltimore, the the bad win in overtime against Green Bay, he's he's ha- he's made some of those that he didn't make last year. He he was he was much better last year with, with taking care of the ball, and maybe that's to be expected with with all the shots they're taking. But that's not been the case. It's not been deep deep balls where the DB just outfought the wide receiver for it. He's, he's made some bad decisions. And if the offensive line keeps protecting him this well, you have to feel that that's going to get better too. He's going to, he's going to get smarter with his throws and that, that number could go through the roof. I mean, he, he could be number one in the league or, or up in the range of number one for the league, not just the AFC. But I do think that it's important to kind of mention the offensive line too, because I think we all kind of, thought this could be joe burrow this year but i it would have been if he can overcome that offensive line and that's that's not he hasn't had to overcome them he's he's getting basically what what you hoped for from this offensive line and more
1: you know what this offensive line has been
2: they've been okay donkey free
1: donkey free hashtag no donkeys to take us back i i I would agree for you know what Jackson Carmen has been has been okay, up down flashes, looking like a rookie a lot, but not so much that it has derailed everything they've done. Right, Trey Hopkins has been the the, the disappointment mm-hmm. um, as he tries to figure his knee stuff out, but not to the point that it has ruined everything they've tried to do, and they've gotten good play. Notably from Quentin Spain. Very good play from Quentin Spain. Jonah Williams has been, for the most part, solid. He had some rough moments against Baltimore. Riley Reef has been who you know he was going to be. They've been that. We talked about it all offseason. No donkeys. Be okay. And the rest will carry you. And that's exactly what has happened. Is that these receivers and skill position players in Burroughs pocket presence has carried and overwhelmed the negatives of a line that's only okay. And they've been able to finish some games out on the ground. You know, I don't know if Baltimore gave up, but the destruction that happened on that Pirine run, it's backups in there and was, it was white flag stuff. Big yeah. time white flag stuff from Baltimore. Jackson Carmen driving their nose. Ten yards down and pancaking him as Pirine runs free to the end zone. I mean, that is a team that wore another team down and and, and, and you know took over. And so so you have those moments too. They have, that was the, that was the makeup of what this team needed. Okay, offensive line at the time we thought okay defense and let Burrow and the receivers carry you and you'll win a lot of games. Now add really good defense, okay offensive line, and Burrow, and everyone carrying you. You really think you can win a lot of games?
2: Yeah, I I wanted to ask CJ in the post game press conference about this, but he was so good on everything else. I knew he would have been good on this, but that P Ryan run—I mean, it was it was all backups and CJ. Poor CJ Uzama on national tight ends day doesn't get some time off at the end. And he looked like he was relishing it because they were they did this a lot where they put him in the backfield. They would have two backs in the backfield Mm -hmm. and he looked like he was having a blast, slamming in there and blocking. And um you would think most guys would rather be taking some time off on the bench like their teammates were, but he was in there and it was that if you go back and watch that, it was Averett, I believe, their cornerback, kind of like skipped into the hole. Like he was just kind of he was just there for the cutback. Hoping he did, P. Ryan didn't cut it back, and when he did, he wanted no part whatsoever of trying to tackle Samaj P. Ryan. It was, it was a, a they didn't need that. They they were they had the game in hand anyhow, but it was it was just the 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 statement on top of the statement.
1: Tyler Boyd didn't say it yesterday, but he could have done it again. Them quit. boys quit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like he did in Pittsburgh. Went into Pittsburgh, went into Baltimore, and them boys quit. You know? <laughs> and there's it's it's hard to see it any other way. Uh it's 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 wild. So let's let's here's let's, let's jump off on this with a run passer boot, Jay, as we like to do here. And this is one for all of you that are listening to to think about and play with your friends a little bit and see where you feel. Run passer boot. Bengals wins this season as we reset. Remember, 17 games. So a little extra there. They will win 10 or less, 11 to 12, 13 plus. <laughs> I just can't even believe this is. It's a wild, But do it. Play it out in your head. Yeah. Look at the schedule. Let's talk about it. You get the Jets this week. So, are we going to assume six and two? You shouldn't assume, but I think you can feel pretty confident about six and two and Mike White. I mean, extrapolate it out. You're 12 and four. I mean, <laughs> the schedule you thought would be much harder. And I think it is more difficult. But because of kind of the weird things happening in the league, it's not that much more difficult. Are you going to face Case Keenum? What is Cleveland going to be? Cleveland's still a scary game regardless. Vegas at Vegas has become looks harder. Pittsburgh and the Chargers are good. San Francisco, you thought would be better than this? They're a mess. They're a mess. You're going to be playing Trey Lance trying to figure stuff out. At Denver, Denver is a train wreck right now. Who knows what you're going to see there? Baltimore at home, you just beat them 41 to 17. Kansas City, they might be the biggest mess i of everyone I just mentioned, despite their reputation. At I mean, that's just it. We always say, "Oh, the schedule." The schedule is not as intimidating as you thought it would be at the end of the uh, you know when it, when the schedule first came out.
2: It never is, and that's why we talked about it was so big that they they had winnable games at the at the front of it because those typically. Those teams are who you think they are, and then things start kind of changing around this time of year. And it was like there was no guarantee Kansas City was going to be great, even though they've been for a while. Or, or the, the Chargers. I mean, it, anything can happen. And now you look at it, I'm, I I can't I can't pick thirteen plus. I just can't. And logic says take ten or less, just because there's more options there for that to happen but i'm gonna run with 11 or 12 i I think that that feels most likely if you're saying 10 or less that means you think they're gonna go four and five the rest of the way this isn't a sub 500 team you know unless the injury thing creeps in and wheels fall off so i'm gonna run with 11 or 12 i'll pass on 13 plus i'm gonna boot 10 or less which just It's just crazy to say if you think about where we were a month ago.
1: To me, this question was not about the run. This is about the the pass and the boot. This is about what do you think the more likely scenario is, disaster or insane success? And I, I worry about injuries. Their depth has not truly been tested yet. And at some point it will be because everybody's is. And, you know, you wonder about the offensive line depth, you know, but Isaiah Prince, like they've actually got these guys some reps (laughs) in recent weeks. Trey Hill, at least you've gotten them on the field and got their feet wet a little bit and it hasn't looked totally awful. You know, offensive line depth was always the biggest concern this year. I'm I'm with you. I think I'm gonna pass on 13 plus and boot 10 or less, just because of the. Again, it comes back to what we've seen about them, and, and I think it, it, we do this a lot when teams are playing well. You just start giving them wins. Like, yeah. oh, well, well, then they'll beat the Jets, and then obviously they'll beat Cleveland, and then and it's like we things change very fast in this league, very very fast. You can go from the the darling to the basement real quick, um, but yeah, I, they're they're in as good a place to say that with more confidence than the opposite scenario. I think right now, and and it's it's wild. You could never have found anybody predicting them. I couldn't find anybody predicting them ten wins this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did. Nowhere, and now we're like, there's no way they have less than ten.
2: And I mean. You, you look at we, we talk all the time that all these free agents they sign that have success with playoff wins, but there's more to it than just once you get to the postseason. It's about handling success in the season. And I know there's always that possibility for a trap game, um, either when a division opponents on the other side of it, or in this case, the buy is on the other side of it. I think the leaders on this team aren't going to let that happen where they're they're going to go to New York and and lose I'm. I wouldn't bet on them to cover, but I I think there's enough there to know that how miserable that bye week is going to feel if if they lay an egg in New York and and I don't think we're going to see them come out flat or looking past the Jets at all. Um, and then you start talking six and two heading into the bye, healthy. It it's it is it's 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 hard to envision at that point ten or less. The the other thing about it is is the sustainable
1: nature of of what they have here. When you start thinking about who's who would be on this team next year, you know, it's like what they're doing, this this is the jumping off point for a team that's gonna that can grow together, that that is just opening their window. Who will be here next year? Hubbard. Ogan Joby, they'll have they'll they'll have to look into. We'll see what happens there. You know, DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Wayne's probably will get cut. You have Eli Apple. You can, I mean, guys, you can re-sign there. They'll they'll be looking at cornerback Cheeto, Von Bell, Jesse Bates will be here. We've talked about that a lot about you know franchise tag, whatever. That's your defense. <laughs> Hilton Hilton too, right? He's not a one-year yeah, deal, me. is he? Mike Hilton. Yeah, excuse me. I forgot that I skipped over him. Hilton. All those guys are here together next year mm-hmm. coming back. Um, On offense, I mean, we've talked a lot about how they've built this um, with guys on rookie contracts and young players to grow together. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Jonah. They'll have to figure out Quentin Spain. We'll see what happens at center. I mean, your interior, Carmen, he's gonna be back in year two. Reef, they'll have to figure out. They'll have things to figure out on the line, but there's a lot of options. And 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 the other part is, guess what? When you're good, and when you have a special locker room like this, guys want to sign here. They want to stay. They don't want to leave. <laughs> I think they can win a Super Bowl with this guy. If you're Riley Reef and you're trying to run out the string, what else do you want to do other than try to run it out and win a Super Bowl? And and Say thank you for my great career, you know. You don't want to leave, and that's the other part of it. You know they'll have to bring back CJ T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. Everybody's signed. Boyd. Boy, yeah, they're all they're all signed. They're all they're all here. I mean, you got you have minimal work to do, a ton of cap space. Adding draft picks for you know theoretically, I think they're gonna end up with with a, a couple a couple decent comp picks. Well, at least one one decent comp pick, probably a fourth round. You know, you, you money to spend in free agency again, and they've had so much success there the last two years, they're not gonna be hesitant, you wouldn't think, when you consider how well they've done at it. People are gonna to want to come here. They're, That's the big thing. Yeah. That's the ultimate. That's when it starts feeding on itself,
2: you know. Is, how, how it, ma- is that? I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt, but I mean, how many guys this year that they signed talked about Joe Burrow being a factor in their decision? And it was kind of, I almost say, blind faith because they saw what he could do in college, but it's a different game. If now, next, if he leads them to the playoffs this year and he's proven he can do it in this league and Jamar Chase has proven what he is and all these other pieces have proven. Yeah, there, there's going to be a line outside Duke Tobin's door of, of free agents wanting to come here.
1: Yeah, and that's the difference. And and and, and um, you know, it's imp- it's important. It's important when you talk about windows and Super Bowl windows and changes. You know, some some years it comes together. Sometimes you have bad luck. Bengals fans know all about that. Bad luck when you think you have a great team. Uh, and then some years it just it falls it falls together. Every year with the Super Bowl champ, you see it. It all just kind of comes together. Uh. And you just hope you give give yourself enough opportunities in that prime window on the rookie quarterback contract, mind you. Two years on this rookie quarterback contract, and then they'll have to open up the book. But and and you can do a lot of things. You can build around really well, and they're they're trying to take advantage of that right now before they have to make Joe Burrow the first fifty million dollar year quarterback. All right, let's just take a quick
0: break.
1: Let's, uh, let's move over it's mo time tweet time so let's uh let's bring in our guy mo, mo what's going on how we doing guys doing great do, doing excellent we'll start kick this off the way we always do is we're going to talk to you about your tweets what are the what are the stats jay's got mo tweets stats what do you got
2: yeah i think we need to have a talk with mo about <laughs> cadence uh He fell a little behind last week. Oh, no. He he needs the performance to step up a little bit. Didn't even hit triple digits. Only 98 last week. Now, this is
3: from Tuesday to Tuesday or Monday to Monday or Sunday to Sunday.
2: This is from Tuesday when our show ends until Monday night.
3: Okay. All right. I mean, I I was pretty productive over the weekend between the Bearcats and and the Bengals. I mean, I I picked it up on Saturday and Sunday. I left a little to be desired on Friday. I will admit
1: A career low uh for for mo (laughs) since he's been since he's i just uh, i'm gonna warn
3: you guys right now i already sort of announced to my family uh, during the bye week uh i'm when they the 14th when they don't play and uc plays on friday night i'm gonna spend a whole weekend not tweeting it's my wife's 40th birthday i'm putting my phone down so just letting you guys know now You need that. What you need to do
1: is like anytime anybody at their job is going to take like four days off, you just end up having to do like triple the work for the four (laughs) days before that. (laughs) So I need to see you load up big time. I think I actually might know why you were low this week, but we'll get to that at the end of this segment. Let's start with with I I actually have a double dip of your tweet to react to here. Um, Two of them that came five minutes apart, four twenty four on sunday and that's, 429, the, the, the on consecutive
3: sunday. tweets are never good no,
1: well i mean you know you, you took some time to to craft <laughs> the second one five minutes so the first one was in quotes cincinnati is where quarterbacks go to die mm-hmm. and the second one was joe burrow mvp and zach taylor coach of the year odds might be worth a look now as opposed to sometime that's not now they're they're interconnected, so I, I'm bringing them both up. The first one, you could create a Twitter account for old Cincinnati Bengals takes exposed mm-hmm. alone at this point when you consider how many things have kind of been thrown in the face of those who kind of screamed stuff for a number of years at, at this team, well, recently in particular.
3: Yeah, it, you know um – it's sort of like the chase versus Sewell thing. Um, if you wanted the Bengals to take Panay Sewell, that was fair and legitimate. And Panay Sewell played well this weekend by all accounts and maybe a marvelous NFL player. But it was the extent to which people went, um, and just saying ridiculous things about the Cincinnati Bengals. And I say ridiculous things about the Cincinnati Bengals for a living, so um. It, the, the whole run-up to the Joe Burrow thing was if if you thought it would be better for Joe Burrow to go to the Miami Dolphins, I don't really agree with that, but 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 okay. If you were wondering if Joe Burrow would pull an Eli or something like that, that really wasn't based on anything that Joe was doing or saying. But okay, fine. But then and and I I really don't remember who said it, or I would have attributed it to to somebody. But but I I remember somebody vividly saying, "quote Cincinnati is where quarterbacks go to die." which, I mean, they, they had basically two starting quarterbacks from 2004 through 2019. That's just not true. Now, you can you can talk about those two QBs all you want. You can talk about what the team couldn't do to build around those quarterbacks. You can talk about the individual successes and failures of those quarterbacks. But that's factually not true compared to, let's say, the Miami Dolphins, who have spent two decades trying to find a successor to Dan Marino and may still be looking for a successor to Dan Marino, if you read some of the stuff coming out of Miami. And so... I, I I just at some point, a lot of us are going to move off from this. Here's mean things or unfair things, I should say, that people have said about the Bengals and here's how they're proving them untrue. But that's kind of part of what's happening here. Right. I mean, this is there was no reason to think that if Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati, that he's going to football Siberia and that he's going to be quickly forgotten. He may not have played to the level that people thought he would. Uh, he may not be surrounded by what you need to surround him with. Um, he may not have the kind of success you're hoping for from a number one overall pick. But this this belief that of Burrow goes there, it's going to be the worst thing in the world for him. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't, They organizationally, they can't support him. They're not going to surround him well. Um, the guy has played one full season now worth of NFL games, and he's been spectacular. And he just authored his signature performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Meanwhile, uh, in Miami, it kind of feels like they're, looking to jump off the uh, to a Tengavailoa bus in Cleveland. They're not sure if they're going to pay Baker Mayfield. And so it, it's just interesting where we've gone over the last 18 months where some of the narratives that were um recited again and again and again and again about Cincinnati and about Joe Burrow and why it won't work and why it can't work and why it'd be great for the NFL. If, if you went anywhere else, th- that's being smashed. That, that's being just destroyed. And, If you didn't believe those narratives, or if you spent a lot of time trying to push back against those narratives, and again, I'm not talking about fair criticisms of the team. We all make those. But if you tried to push back against some of those silly takes that people had, uh, what the team is doing now, and specifically what they did on Sunday, is is quite enjoyable. I mean, this is what happens,
1: and you could have done the same thing back in you know people talking about the Rams. It was the bank, we, we, I focus on that a lot because it's what the Bengals are trying to recreate. We, what people said about Jeff Fisher and what people <laughs> said about the Rams, you know, for for years, and and they didn't even have a home, they didn't have fans or move, you know what I mean, <laughs> all that stuff. And then and then Sean McVay and the Rams are the model franchise of the NFL, and and what everybody's trying to follow, and McVay's tree and and all this stuff, and it. it this follows teams that have success, and and people make too much of the idea these days of franchise that could never be saved. That's a total abomination, and it's the organization. Look, you get the right people in, you get the right magic that starts happening, and 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 the whole and perception and the things people say about them. Things like this change. Quickly changed dramatically, and and, I, and that's why I've compared this season a little bit back to 05. It has this 05 feeling now because that's the same thing that happened then. The Bengals were cool, and yeah. and the and and that, and they're they're out of it. and Marvin Lewis has pulled them out of that, and this, that, and the other, despite of themselves. And it's it's just it's funny. I, the lack of accountability that kind of exists in the in the landscape of people yelling things, particularly about downtrodden franchises, is is always just disgusting because people just can say things and never get really held to it. And that's why I like when something like this gets brought back up again, that this was a thing that people said all the time.
3: Yeah. So th- there's three things that came to mind, as as you just said, what you said. Uh, number one, um, we, we could go over tweets that I didn't send because I had a draft. <laughs> which after the game was, I think the Baltimore Ravens just settled the Burrow versus Herbert debate. And then I thought that's not fair to Justin Herbert because Joe played poorly against the Ravens in this first game. And, and Herbert's not going to get an annual game against um, Baltimore the way Joe Burrow will get two of them. But I mean, yeah, you know, earlier in the season that was starting to unfold, right? And look, Justin Herbert, it looks like the real deal. And as an NFL fan, I think it's great when all these young quarterbacks work out. I, I want all these guys to, to succeed. Um, it's, it's more fun. The more good QBs we have. I watched, I watched, Geno Smith versus Jameis Winston last night. And and I mean, I don't ever want to watch that again. So give me, give me as many good quarterbacks as I possibly can. But I mean, again, even early it was, oh, do you think maybe the Bengals are going to regret taking Joe Burrow? And no, no, they're, they're not. And and I'm never going to go back and want to revisit it because I understood the thinking then. And even if it doesn't work out to the extent that we would like. So, but I was, I was close uh, to, to sending that. The other one is like, again, if We all criticize the Bengals for different reasons and from different perspectives. But if you say something outlandish, I I think I think I would have an obligation to come out and say, boy, here's what I was thinking. And, And yeah, they proved me wrong. So Mike Tannenbaum, right? Mike Tannenbaum, I went on ESPN's morning show and I mock drafted for Cincinnati and I took Jamar Chase. And then this man comes on television and radio and just rips me for five minutes and the Bengals should be kicked out of the NFL. They should disband. It should be like the Super League. And just this ridiculous, asinine perspective that he had that if the Bengals take uh, anybody but Pinay Sewell, they're an irresponsible franchise that should leave the National Football League. And I, I tweeted the, the, the YouTube thing at him yesterday, not to get in some sort of Twitter fight, but it's like, hey, you know, why don't you come back and say, all right, maybe I didn't get that right. Maybe. And there's there's never any of that. And that drives me nuts. The 2005 thing—I've been thinking about this a lot. The the 5 team is my my favorite Bengals team of all time. There's a lot of people uh, who feel the exact same way. This feels more sustainable now than uh, even by the end of the 5 season, things were starting to tear apart at the seams. The fight in the locker room. Um, they had some dudes who weren't great characters. This feels more sustainable. And and frankly, it you know people have said, well, the last time they were good, fifteen. This is sort of like this, and and you know, I think the 15 team was really dogged by the previous four years. And there was this, this, you know, yeah, this is great, but what's going to happen in the postseason. And also the sense that they were limited by the quarterback play. This feels different and better than, at least from my perspective than 05 and 2015. And I wonder if fans would, would feel, would feel similar because again, that 05 team is justifiably revered.
2: Tons of parallels there. I mean, coach in his third year, Starting mm-hmm. quarterback in his second year as a right. starter. Big difference was that team lived off turnovers. That's the one thing this defense hasn't done. They've done everything great, but they have not forced turnovers. Uh, I, I'd be curious. I don't know if you've done this, but your, your tweet about this is Cincinnati's where quarterbacks go to die. You put it in quotes. I know what you meant. I don't know that a lot of Twitter users knew what you meant. I I wonder. Those are the best tweets, though. (laughs) No, I I wonder how many people were like,
3: "You don't know what you're talking about." Oh well, they say that. I mean, I, I, I I, I could, you know, like, hey, uh, it's fun when the sun's out, and I would say, well, you idiot? It's better when it's cloudy." So, no, I, I I mean, I think there were there were many who got it, some who didn't, and those who didn't. Honestly, I don't really care.
1: uh jay Jay, do you have the the actual joe burrow mvp and zach taylor coach of the year odds now
2: I, i do they're they're stunning for different reasons um on september 22nd zach taylor was the betting favorite to be the first coach fired today he is the second favorite to win coach of the year he's tied with brandon staley um only cliff kingsbury is ahead of them um Kingsbury's at plus 325, Taylor and Staley at plus 500. Joe Burrow, MVP odds, I don't have the progression there, but he is an incredible value. If you like to bet, this might be one. He's 400 to one still. He's tied for the 10th best odds to be MVP. And now, yeah, there's a lot of other great candidates out there, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen. But
3: but, but if, if this keeps up and they win the division and they play a a home playoff game and Joe Burrow leads them there. How's he not going to be considered? Right. How's, how's he not going to be considered? And I'd be lying to you if I told you, I really sat down and mapped out, you know, who would be the NFL coach of the year. Certainly Cliff Kingsbury would be given immense amount of consideration and uh, fairly so. But I mean, if, if Zach Taylor goes from four wins last year to 10 or 11 this season, you mean to tell me someone's not going to vote for him? and well, yeah. uh and deservedly so
2: the thing is with kingsbury i mean it, you saw it last year with the steelers it's hard to sustain that they're off to this great seven and zero start but what what if they only go five and four the rest of the way or six and four i mean that's still a great season but you look at it comparatively the what have you done for me lately thing and everybody waits rightfully so till the end of the year to vote and if the Bengals. Stay kind of on this ascension and make the playoffs, then yeah i I think Zach Taylor's an easy choice there. I think it's going to be hard for Cliff Kingsbury to win it unless they go fifteen and two fourteen and three, something like that, and I'm not sure they can do that in that division
1: well, I know we've kept you for a while, so I don't want to keep you too long here, but I do have one last thing to get to. It's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fired off at nine forty a m last Thursday. no oh, no uh the fact that no one has launched a reality show filmed entirely in the waiting area of an <laughs> oil change place represents an enormous missed opportunity. <laughs> I think this is why you had a career low in tweets. You spent too much time at the oil change place, focusing on the social dynamics in front of you.
3: I assume you guys take your cars to get the it's oil changed, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. S- but not in a I jiffy. I don't go, well, yeah, this- I do
1: the drive through
3: this was not necessarily a jiffy, okay but I mean you've we're familiar with the concept of oil change place waiting yes, area waiting What's area. that waiting area like for you guys because Judge for me, Joe Brown is always on. Judge Joe Brown is always on um, there's always a pot of coffee that looks like it was made in uh, 2014. Uh, it, it, it there's always somebody waiting there and you wonder like are they waiting for their car to be done? Right? Because (laughs) they're there when you arrive, but they're also there when you leave. Uh, There's always somebody with a misbehaving child. There's always somebody talking too loudly on their phone. Yes, that's the
1: one. Speaker phone, like, learning all about their, like, you know, family issues.
3: They're invariably... (laughs) There's always a disgusting bathroom there invariably ends up being a discussion between two people who have never met about either a completely boring subject or something that turns into something uh, contentious. Uh, Then there's the guy, the the worker who comes in with the air filter and then they haggle because, (laughs) Hey, you need a new one. And nobody really (laughs) knows what that thing does. And then there's a discussion. Whereas with me, it's like, just, just get me out of here. I don't want to be, it is, I mean, the the (laughs) fact that somebody hasn't said, you know what, we're going to take a camera crew around to some of these. And it doesn't matter if you get your oil change at a dealer. It doesn't matter if you go to one of these sort of quick stop places. It doesn't matter. I I guess it matters if you do yourself, which I tried to do once and it was just a a disaster. Uh, But the fact that somebody hasn't taken a film crew and hopped around to these places and just said, we're going to post up and just capture what happens and stuck that on Bravo or something is an enormous missed opportunity because there is gold at these places. Absolute personal interaction, uh, s- s- armpit sometimes of humanity gold that should air on television.
1: <laughs> I had a similar type of uh, idea at one point in my life where I thought you should have a camera crew where the concept of the show is just, they sit at Waffle House and they wait until about midnight and then they just Pick somebody that they're going to follow the rest of the evening and see where it leads. What are they going to get into next? Because the Mm -hmm. amount of you just I always find when I see certain people that are obviously having very big nights leave the Waffle House, I always wonder, how's their night going to end up? something's going to happen and it's, and they're going to either have a great story or not remember that great story. And I would like to have that uh, followed. I think it would be more popular than cops.
3: The other show that I want to pitch is uh, just go to any random courthouse and stand outside and ask people why they're there. (laughs) 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 Because I once had to go to court. I many, many, many years ago, I, I drove fast through a school zone. I had to go pay the ticket and, and get screamed at. But I'm like, all right, fine. I deserve that. I'm walking around the outside. Also, you know, I've I've had a, a divorce, so you have to go to court for that. But there's always just people outside the courthouse, and you wonder, what are they doing here? And every time I drive past any courthouse, I'm not just talking about, you know, Hamilton County, any courthouse, there's always just random people milling about outside. And I, I think it would be fascinating if someone not named Mo would uh, ask them why they're there and find out more about their day-to-day life.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, The new show. Why are you here? I love it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> exactly by the way see you could happens. also do that you could also do this outside great american ballpark yeah eight hours before any reds game you ever notice okay. this
1: maybe that's the game maybe the the show is based on asking people why are you here but every episode is a different place where you legitimately wonder why everyone is there
3: that completely fair you could probably come up with a few but i mean i i've i've had lunch across the street from the ballpark and it's like 11 30 the games at seven and you'll see on crosley terrace there's just people sort of just milling about and it's like they're not going to let you in early you're not going to see batting <laughs> practice from there uh there's other stuff you could be doing right now like uh, working uh or or literally anything else why in full reds regalia are you outside the gates of the ballpark there's no one behind you there's no mad rush to get in you have an assigned seat it's not general admission why are you here somebody <laughs> needs to do that too
1: that will be episode three of "Why Are You Here?" When we, when we kick that off next season, Mo, it's been a pleasure. Try to tweet more this week, please, so we can uh, get you I back on track. I'll, I'll get I'll get all yeah. fired up. Yes. All right. See you this afternoon. All right. See you guys. <laughs>
3: all right.
1: Always great to catch up with Mo. Jay, where do you get your oil changed at?
2: <laughs> you know, now I go to my regular mechanic. And I'll 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 tell them we're coming. We'll drop it off the night before, and then he it's only like three miles from my house. So I'll they'll call me at 11, 12 the next day, and I'll just walk up there and get it. Get a nice walk in and get it, and it's it's much easier that way. When I was a teenager, when I first started driving, my parents bought me a Horizon Miser, and I only got one oil change. That thing was up. It, it was, they, I didn't get it new, but it was maybe in the twenty, thirty thousand range when I got it. I got it up around a hundred thousand. I only had one oil change. My, my friends were just stunned that that thing kept running. I not only I didn't get oil changes. I did neutral drops to do peel outs. I mean, I beat that car up. I have, <laughs> I have done the the oil change waiting room, and it is an adventure. It's almost, it's almost on par to what we saw yesterday in an airport where kids acting up, people talking loudly on their phones, people watching videos on their phone without headphones. There's it is, That's why I don't go to those places anymore.
1: Jay, you made me Google Horizon Miser because I've never heard of it. <laughs> and let me just tell you how much I can absolutely see Mullet Jay ripping donuts in this thing. If, you, if you're listening to this, please, please Google <laughs> Horizon Miser. And imagine Jay with his young Jay with
2: his mullet going, but neutral drops. I, I, we we also had nine people in that one time. <laughs> what a car. What a ride. How
1: long did you have that thing?
2: Um, From like 82 to 86 or 87. It was like my second year of college. It finally, finally died. I don't know when they stopped making them, but I've never heard of this thing, <laughs> but I've seen these. Oh, I've seen them.
1: oh the the stories that hatchback could tell
2: oh yeah (laughs) good thing it's gone
1: uh let's do a bengal's growler bet recap uh from last week we had a lot of submissions of course thanks everybody that sent those in our question was lamar jackson yards per rush and yards per attempt jay i'm thinking sadistic on you know just we're just trying to keep you guys from winning because you're winning too much and i'm telling you there is nobody better at doing run passer boot than monica Gleed. on it unfortunately monica so close oh (laughs) so close seven three eight three was the answer you had seven three eight two. Oh, it hurts me on the inside to see this, to know how close it was and what could have been, but ultimately it was not, just another loser. But Monica, you are, like, I don't know how many so close as you've had, but another incredible performance uh, there. So as far as the growler went, Jay, what, how'd it go between
2: you and me? Well, first, I think that eight three was a rounded eight three. I think it was like eight point two. Eight two nine is what I is is yeah. the actual. So that's even closer. Even but so yes. closer, but still <laughs> not a winner. No. Um on ours, you went three eight on the yards per rush. I went five seven. So I won that with seven three. Um we just about split the yards per attempt. You went nine two, so you missed by 0.9. I went seven point five, so I missed by 0.8. Mm. So back to back wins for me. So close, T- evening it up. It's the season tally now is Paul four J three. All right, good to know. We'll keep track of that. Uh, how
1: about our run passer boot from last <laughs> week?
2: It was not as close as the game. It was it was as much of a blowout as the game. Uh the the, the categories for the run passer boot were Bengals points scored, offensive line penalty yards, and uh sack yardage against Joe Burrow. And it was it was a bloodbath. It
3: was
2: (laughs) points were 41, sack yardage was 7, and penalty yardage was 5. Isaiah Prince had a false start late in that game. That was the only penalty the Bengals had in that entire game. Not just the offensive line, the the entire team. So you ran with points and uh, passed on penalty. I ran with penalty and passed on points. So you got the win on that one.
1: All right, I'll take it. And I think that kind of tells the story of the game a little bit, right?
2: Yeah. I mean... No sacks, no penalties. Five, lots seven of and five for those
1: two numbers tells okay. you probably all you needed to know about how that game went for the Bengals. Um, and and so good ones there. A uh, lot of lot of Bengals fans made the trip to Baltimore. I don't know, partially yeah. probably due to the UC double dip with the game at Navy on Saturday, but we saw a ton of them in the airport. Shout out to everybody that we saw there. Uh, shout out to Moe's. Oh, I mean, Moe's Seafood Spot is the the crab. I don't know what it was. If it tasted better this year, I feel like I've, I had some experiences there where maybe it wasn't as good. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the seafood trio I ordered. Mm. It was incredible. The crab, the scallops, the shrimp, all of it. So good. So shout out to Moe's. If you're ever in Baltimore, highly recommend If you're you're looking to go for the full crab
2: experience. A lot of places you can do that too, but I just have to shout them out because it was delicious. Don't get the broccoli though. (laughs) I was was so mad. I I got a side of broccoli and it worked out for the best because I don't know if I would have been able to finish my crab cakes if I'd eaten that whole thing. But who puts blue cheese on steamed broccoli? It was awful. I hate blue cheese. (laughs) I ate one piece. I just couldn't do it. So I was like, well – I got these two huge lumps of crab cake. I really don't need the broccoli anyhow, but it should say broccoli and blue cheese on the, on the menu, not just broccoli.
1: Yeah. You don't just like put blue cheese on broccoli. Just and assume that everyone thinks that that's standard. No, I've I've never never seen it before thing. I've never heard of that. At least not as like a standard operating procedure. Yeah. Um, Other shout outs, shout out, Sarah Zeitler. Yes uh kevin zeitler's wife who we knew from his time here we were trying to go to a place called the elk room which is a little speakeasy that was right by our hotel because i'm like i love the concept of speakeasies i kind of wanted to see if i could dress up we could have like some some flappers with us or something like that and go (laughs) hang out and you have those like the long cigarettes with the extensions on them and like just talking a crazy way see and i kind of wanted to uh and the place was great. It was fantastic, but we never would have found it if not for Sarah Zeitler. We are trying to go we we walked back and forth cuz it's a speakeasy. It's meant to be hidden. That's the whole point. And so we tried to go in and we went past we walked past the exit about three or four times staring at our phones trying to figure out where is this place? And someone stops us and says are you guys looking for something? And we said, ah, oh, the elk room. And she says, first of all, it's right here. Second of all, I'm Sarah Zeitler. I hadn't <laughs> seen her in so long. So good to see her. And she started talking to us about, about Kevin and how happy they were to be there. And uh, it was apparently not super close. On the they, they loved the idea of going back to Cincinnati, but was not super close. Since today I didn't love the idea of having
2: Kevin, <laughs> it appears to
1: be the case, <laughs> uh, and so but it was awesome to see her and shout out for her for pointing us in the right direction and randomly yes. being in front of the elk room as we found it. So good to see Sarah Zaitler. Shout out to her, big big assist. Um, so it was it was good it was good to see see a lot of people uh, in in Baltimore. Had a had a great time, and um, it's a fun trip. Man, it's a, such an underrated road trip.
2: Love it every year. And it's great when it's early. Yeah. Early ish. Not, yes. not a place you want to go in December.
1: No, but it was a great time of year to be there. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, all right. That'll wrap us up. We'll, of course, be back on Thursday. We'll have Connor Hughes with us, who covers the Jets, which is a tough gig. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll have a lot to talk to him, and we can share some horror stories of covering bad clubs over the years. And, um, Maybe a Carl Lawson update. We'll see, too. Just see how checking on our old guy, Carl, who who we enjoyed so much when he was here. But a lot to get to this week. So we'll have that uh, on The Growler on Thursday. So, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.